All right. Hey, what's up? All right. I'm now joined by Ethan of the Confronted Capital uh, YouTube channel. How you doing, Ethan? I'm doing all right. Good. So, yeah, I was just thinking about this. Uh, I uh, saw that the last week you were posting a bunch about this uh, and thought it might be a fun, um, you know, Sunday, well, afternoon here on the West Coast discussion. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, I, I've seen you kind of talk a lot about uh, AI safety sorts of issues, the idea that, like, I think a certain, I don't know, like, I think maybe like a certain wing of, of, uh, of like, effective altruism has gotten really into and, you know, that, like, has various other sort, you know, online sources uh, that, um, that the development of, of artificial intelligence represents a uh, existential threat or, you know, potential existential threat to humanity. This is something that's been getting a lot of, uh, a lot of play just like very recently because of uh, like big open letter, you know, calling for a pause on AI research with a lot of, you know, prominent names on it, like Elon Musk. Um, and, you know, I will, I don't know that I have any, like, super strong opinions about this one way or the other, but, you know, I, I think to, uh, like, when I have kind of referred to it in passing, I've, I've, you know, there's, there's probably been a certain eye rollingness to, you know, what I've said about it. So, uh, thought I'd, uh, thought I'd have you on and, uh, tell me why I should take it more seriously. Yeah, for sure. I mean... Yeah, that's part of why I've been so, like, beating on this drum so much as well. It's like, I kind of understand that, like, from the perspective of people who sort of, like, keep up with social and political issues, like, the people who are associated with calls for, like, concern for AI safety are, like, you know, like, people like Elon Musk or, like, Sam Harris. And I kind of want to get ahead of the curve and try to, like, break that association, or at least try to urge people to like engage with the issue on like more than sort of like a sniff test because i agree that like a sniff test kind of yields this judgment of like oh you know it's just like these silly dorky libertarians like stoking fear about this issue to distract from like all these real world problems that we're actually dealing with and so on um, and to and frankly in some cases to get people to pay to to pay them to to worry about it right i mean like there's a like certainly the ea aspect of it like i don't I mean, I don't know, maybe this is unfair because I wouldn't claim to know a ton about this, but just in that sniff test sort of way, mm -hmm. I don't I don't really see, like, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like any, like, um, when people, like, want to direct, like, charity money to, uh, to you know, working on, uh, working on existential risks, you know, to talk about AI, it's like, well, working on it how, right? I mean, what, what, what are you going to do? Like, it, it just seems like there's no... Like, it just seems like there's, there's nothing on the face of it. There's, there's, like, all that really means in the EA world is that, like, you know, you're going to get uh, you get rich people to give you a bunch of money so you can, like, sit in the castle and, like, think about it. Right. Yeah, I'm not super, um, yeah, I'm not super familiar what, like, what the kinds of EA charities or what the kinds of, like, AI-centered EA charities that people recommend sort of get up to. Um, so I probably couldn't 
yeah, I probably couldn't get much pushback on that. Um, but anyways, yeah, like I'm happy to, if you want, I guess I yeah. could give sort of like a spiel, like here's why I think AI could be really dangerous. Um, yeah, please. Yeah, so like basically I think the basic idea is just like, okay, like if we were going to write out the argument in sort of like a syllogistic format, right? Like the first premise is just, we're going to get, like the, the first sort of core claim for the position is that like sooner or later, it seems like we're on track to build an artificial agent that is more intelligent, like vastly more intelligent than humans. And that has like a pretty good chance of just being able to wipe us all out if it wanted to, if it had some goal that recommends wiping humans out. And then so like the obvious, the obvious solution would be, okay, well, let's just make sure it doesn't follow a goal that recommends wiping us all out. Let's just make sure that it only does the things we want it to do. Let's make sure that it follows the goals we want it to follow. But like, as it turns out, that's actually like way harder than it sounds. Um, and I could explain why, but basically there's like a few different technical problems with respect to how we train AIs under like the modern paradigm, such that it's basically impossible to instill with like perfect accuracy, some goal or even relative accuracy, some particular goal into an AI that you want it to pursue across like a wide range of circumstances and domains. And so like, um, I don't know, maybe I could get into what those technical problems are, why it's so hard to actually align an AI with our goals. But if I were to, I mean, that's its own spiel. So like, I guess just capping this off, like then the problem is, okay, if we can't make sure that the AI wants to follow the goals we want it to follow, this could be really dangerous because like relative to most possible goals that an agent could have, if we just like wrote out all possible goals and drew them out of a hat, according to like most possible goals, humans are probably like a relatively inefficient like usage of like the atoms in our bodies. Like say like the classic example is like if the AI ended up wanting to like make as many paper clips as possible, it's unlikely that it would keep us around to further that aim. It could probably find some way to turn humans into paper clips or something like that. Um, or even just like, there's this other point, which is like, um, there are certain things called like convergent instrumental goals, which are like, no matter what the AI's terminal goals are, there are likely to be certain instrumental goals that are conducive to it. So like making sure that it doesn't get shut off, most obviously, is going to be an uh, instrumental goal that's helpful for most terminal goals. And make sure, making sure that its goals don't get changed is also going to be like one of these goals that's going to be conducive to most possible goals. Because if it gets shut off or if it gets its goals changed, then it can no longer pursue whatever its goals are. And that might provide it another reason for killing humans. Like, oh, there's a non-zero chance these humans will shut me off, so I have to stop them from doing that. Um, so that's kind of like the basic outline of this spiel, I guess. Yeah, so I, I want to break some of that down a little bit because, you, you know, like the sort of starting point of the whole thing is that sooner or later you develop AI that's like vastly more intelligent than humans and thus like could you know, wipe us out or whatever, do something really bad to us if it wanted to. And I, I do wonder about if there's like a little leap there, right? Like, like in other words, I, I mean, I see that there's a problem with if you have 
AIs that are sort of independently pursuing, you know, goal-oriented activities in, like, whatever way seems best to them or whatever, that, like, I mean, I, I, I kind of don't require a lot of convincing that, like, in that scenario, it would be worried, you know, whether, um, you know, whether the uh, its, its goals would be, you know, aligned with, with human values or, you know, just, just conducive to, to not doing anything terrible to humans. Uh, but, uh, but, but I do wonder about the sort of kind of why that would be the case in the first place. In other words, like, um, okay. I mean, it, it's intelligent can mean a lot of things. Um, and there's like probably some sense in which AI that exists right now is like much more intelligent than humans. Like, um, that, you know, or certainly has like much greater ability to absorb and process information, you know, than, than you know, uh, vast amounts of information than humans and et cetera. And it's not very like, I, I mean, even, even like chat GPT and stuff, it's, it's like, there's a sense in which, I mean, put it aside that it always feels slightly wrong to talk about like, what it believes or whatever that like that seems like even putting aside the consciousness issue that just seems like the wrong word but like it's it's very um it's like you know part of the thing that like people who read that noam chomsky and co uh op-ed in the new york times about this part of the thing that like chomsky and his co-authors are worried about or not worried about but part of what they're calling attention to is that um the programmers of ChatGPT felt the need to uh, sort of neuter it from making, from like making moral pronouncements because they weren't confident that they'd be able to get it to like not make horrified moral pronouncements. Uh, and like, I have no trouble whatsoever seeing why that's the case, right? Like, why, like, you know, you sort of think something that's like exists to kind of mimic, uh, you know, human speech and everything that like that it, it doesn't that like. Even if you know, even if it was doing an amazing job of um, of like uh, like do of like reasoning, uh, that the it's it's just not going to have like sort of human, you know, short of like just replicating an exact human brain or doing something that's like much more complicated than they're doing right now to like you know for anything like the current research program for, for AIs, like it's not going to have anything that's equivalent to human moral intuition. So, you know, you could like feed it some principles or whatever, but it's like, it's, it's probably going to go weird places because just because we're like not that great at like anticipating what's going to follow from some principle that sounds sort of plausible to us. All of that makes sense to me, but like, I guess my question is like, what's the scenario whereby, uh, like, like, why, you know, I mean, I guess just to put it really crassly, like, okay, uh, that, like, even a very intelligent AI, uh, you know, that, like, might, uh, if it were allowed to, you know, independently pursue goals in whatever way made sense to it, might, you know, might, like, might do so in ways that we'd find horrifying or would involve wiping out humans or something. Sure, fine. But, like, why would it? Be, uh, be empowered to do that right i mean like like i guess just to like put it really crassly like okay i have um it's not that i think that it's like if you had an ai that had access to the nuclear codes that like i can't it's not that i can't see how that could go wrong it's that i have more trouble seeing like why we'd be giving it access to the codes in the first place 
Right. So, yeah. So, like, um, let me try to think of the sort of the best way to put this point. Um, so, I guess, like, in terms of um, why don't we just? So, there there are two possible things that uh, we could basically do to try and stop the AI from killing us, and sort of the way that you're that you're mentioning. One is that we could just we could have a really powerful system but we could try and like keep it in the box so to speak so that it doesn't like it doesn't have any like so enough like causal influence over the world such that it could be able to do anything like catastrophic and the other idea is we could just build a weak like a relatively weak ai um so like the first thing uh with respect to the the first one um so the problem is even like a sufficiently intelligent ai even if it starts out in a box, meaning like we've started out in a position where the AI's like causal influence over the world is very restricted. Um, it seems very like, so like one common idea is we just have it on like a server that's connected to the internet, but you can't get onto the internet from the server. So the AI would literally be like kept in a server where it doesn't even have access to the internet. Um, but then like the fear is like, okay, well, if the AI is sufficiently intelligent, I mean, it could do multiple things. It could find security holes in the server it's operating on and exploit those to get it to, or to allow it to escape onto the internet. And then once it's on the internet, it could do a whole bunch of bad things. Like it could, for example, um, like one example is like, if the AI is really super intelligent, it could even just like come up with some new concoction for like a new hyper deadly virus. And then like, send the instructions for making that virus to like a bunch of people and offer them like a bunch of money if they mix together like certain materials that they that you want them to mix together and they'll have no idea what they're even making um and i mean of course like no smart person would do that for any amount of money but you know many people aren't smart many people even want humanity to die so maybe the or so maybe the super intelligent ai could just find those people and send them the instructions but like so long as the AI is very smart and has access to like the internet, it could do like very catastrophic things potentially. And then like the other idea is maybe we could just make it so that it's not that smart. Like we could keep it below a threshold such that it just doesn't even have the intellectual capability to do these catastrophic things, like come up with a new virus and send someone the instructions for it. But I guess like the problem with that is like, I mean, this sure like a weaker AI will be less dangerous but it will also be useful or it'll also be less useful because it's less dangerous. So like in weakening the danger of the AI, we also weaken the usefulness of the AI. And maybe some people might be willing to make that trade off. But like, even if we did, even if like, say like the whole of America was smart enough and cautious enough such that we all basically decided like, yes, we're not going to risk humanity. So we're just going to make an AI system that's really weak. I mean, that doesn't stop some other country from deciding to not make that trade-off to say, no, we want the useful AI. We think these fears are overblown and then they'll make that one. So there'll always be this like pressure to make the most useful AI. And it just so happens that all the most useful AIs are also like the most, um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess this is like, I'm not sure which of those categories that I see we do have a call and we'll take them in a second. The, um, like I, I guess it seems like there's like this this foundational assumption here that we're talking about something that would have this uh, 
like, I mean, even when you're talking about putting it in a box, like that sort of suggests this, that sort of suggests like starting out in this way that's like kind of capable of like forming its own like intentions and, you know, engaging goal oriented activity in a certain way that it's like, um, I don't, I guess I'm not sure. Like, uh, I mean, first it, it seems like, um, you know, technologically like that, that's, uh, that seems like, okay, maybe something that at some point people will figure out even how to do it if they want to. But I mean, they certainly haven't yet. Uh, and also it, it just seems like, I don't know how much you, you would want to, uh, that like on, on that level that it's like, um, that, you know, you have something that like is, can, form intentions of its own and that, you know, in that uh, in that relatively unpredictable way, I mean, like, that's that that's both, like, on the face of it, I mean, I don't know, from what I know about this, at least, that seems like, one, that would just be an amazing feat, right? I mean, that's, like, not something that we're holding back from doing right now. That's something that nobody knows how to create right now. And, like, two, it's not totally clear to me what the motive would be for creating that yeah, so, like, I guess, um, so, like, the, the first, I guess maybe there's, like, there's two things there. One is, like, can we build and do we even have, like, the technological capacity to build an AI that, like, acts on these sorts of intentions in this, like, highly coherent way or that forms, like, goals of its own? Um, and then also it's, like, um, why would we do that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, like, so... So I think, like, in terms of, like, goal-orientedness or, like, coherence, right, in terms of, like, the extent to which an AI fulfills some, like, independent purpose is kind of, like, a spectrum. Like, so to some extent, like, we are doing AIs that pursue goals in, like, a certain sense um, of the term goals. So, like, for example, um like Deep Blue or like Alpha Zero, like these, um, you know, famous chess AIs. In a certain sense, they pursue goals, which is that they're programmed to aim for a state of the world where their chess opponent is put in a checkmate position. And then they're trained to basically like deliberately plan and calculate and make decisions which further that goal. Now, those AIs aren't that goal-oriented. But it seems like as time goes on, like economic pressures and incentives are going to push in the direction of um, causing us to want to make more and more like goal-oriented AIs, ambitiously goal-oriented AIs. And I think basically like the reason for that is we're going to want AIs that basically are able to like come up with like creative solutions and like creatively solve like novel problems and stuff like that in ways that we couldn't so like we want some state of affairs to be achieved and if we can create a being that can figure out how to achieve those states of affairs in ways that we couldn't have figured that out we're going to want to create those kinds of beings so that we can get that benefit and so i think that's like the basic reason why there would be a pressure to develop ai that like pursue certain goals creatively rather than just like you know, fulfilling some instructions that we give them, like to the letter or whatever. Um, and then, like, although, mm -hmm. uh, okay, I, I do just first want to note that, like, everything, all that was more or less purely about the second part, about the motivation. Um, mm -hmm. You know, not about the the 
the feasibility. Um, I have a, like, um, and, you know, it's like, yeah, there's like a certain sense in which you could say that, you know, chess play AI or whatever is goal-oriented, but, like, that also seems like if you don't include the phrase in a certain sense, it's going to be a really misleading statement, right? Because it's like, it's a very, um, it's a very limited sense, right? It's a very, like, it's a very, like, uninteresting sense. It's a very, it's a very different sense from the sense in which something would have to be goal, you know, goal oriented to like be like, um, sort of in a position to have any of the like 20 capacities we would have to have, uh, to, in order to, uh, in order to like be like scheming, you know, to like, uh, you know, get out of a box or whatever. Right. Like I, I can see, uh, I, you know, and like, whatever, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, you know, I'm, I'm kind of even consciously play the role here of like somebody is asking what seemed to me to be obvious questions about something I don't know very much about, but like I have a, but like it does, you know, my impression, which could be wrong is that like this, this seems like something that it just, it just seems very, very distant from anything that we know how to do right now. Like in a, in a pretty, in a pretty basic way, it seems pretty distant from anything we do want to know right now. And and I guess I'm also not totally sold on how, um, like, that it's like there's a, I mean, there does seem like, even in terms of, like, let's let's say the feasibility problem were just solved somehow, like, the, like, in terms of the, um, the, the problem about, like, um, the incentive problem, right? You know, it's like, okay, like, if you could, if like you somehow could, why would you want to? I mean, I can see that there's like a certain sense in which, you know, like you'd have an incentive to create an AI that would like be able to come up with creative solutions and stuff. But like that, that does seem a little bit different, like coming up with creative solutions that it could suggest with us to us does seem like a very different kind of thing than coming up with like, you know, with like just, being empowered to sort of like act on it independently. Yeah. So I think that, um, with regards to, um, like if it's feasible that we could make an AI that's like goal oriented in this, um, in some sense. Um, I mean, I don't, so I guess I don't see why it would be in principle, like impossible to make such an AI. I don't necessarily think it's impossible in principle. It just it just seems like very distant from anything that we currently understand how to do. Yeah, I mean, so I think it's to some degree distant. But I'll say, like, so basically the way that we train AIs to um, form through, like, it forms certain, like, behavior patterns or goals to the extent that they even are goals, which, I mean, I agree with you, modern AIs aren't goal-oriented in the same way that, like, a fully coherent AI that does the kind of scheming that I'm talking about are coherent. Um, but, I mean, so basically the way that we train these AIs through, like, uh, reinforcement learning through human feedback um, basically this like process of trial and error where we start out with this like neural network that has a bunch of like digital neurons that are connected to each other with strengths of like varying degrees and then we basically ask it to perform some task if it does well we give it positive feedback if it does poorly we give it negative feedback and then based on the feedback we have basically a process called like stochastic gradient descent 
that um, tweaks the connections of the various digital neurons in ways that make the AI expected to perform better on its task and get more positive human feedback next time. And through that process, we basically haven't created a fully coherent AI yet, but we have been able to push like, I say we, but like, I mean like AI developers, they have been able to push like more in the direction of being goal oriented and being able to like creatively solve novel situations. Like there's been like a, since the development of AI has started, we've gone from like basically just having AIs that fulfill certain like direct instructions to like being able to create AIs that are more like autonomous in terms of how they figure out how to achieve certain states of affairs that we train them to creatively like aim to achieve and like novel and so on. Um, and so I guess like, unless there's some hard limit that's not foreseen, I mean, based on like current trends, like we should expect to be able to create an AI like that at some point. Um, although it's not exactly clear when that point is going to be. And that's like part of why, you know, I'm not like as much of a doomer as other people as like a lot of how dangerous is AI is going to come down to like, okay, at what point, like how early in the process do AIs develop these kinds of like coherence um, and agency and that's like not exactly clear, but um, uh, so I guess that was the the first thing. Uh, I forget what the the second thing was. Um, there's a second. Yeah, so, so the, the second point was about incentives. So so like like mm -hmm. assuming that we sort of surpass the conceptual revolution of like figuring out how to do this, like then like what's the um, like what's the incentive to to create something that's like not just like you know, that's, that's not just like, you know, providing like creative things that like we could, that like humans could then decide whether or not to do, but it's just like kind of like acted on them in a, you know, on its own or like has the like, you know, cognitive architecture to like, you know, I don't know what to act on them or something like that, you know, which is like whatever that would mean in this context. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I guess it seems like the kind of thing that you're describing is that basically we get an AI, but rather than having it, then rather than trying to program it with the goal of like, like, let's, I don't know, let's just pick a random example where like, we're trying to get an AI that will help us to produce like more valuable technologies or something. And so you have like, basically the idea is we try to get an AI whose goal is not to produce valuable technologies like autonomously, but rather like help humans provide humans with ideas for um uh provide humans with ideas for uh coming up with new valuable technologies and so on but i guess like um the problem with that is uh even even if we are trying to program so so that basically the the problem that i would notice that in that case we basically still are programming an ai to have a goal it's just that the goal is um, help humans like come up with good ideas for humans rather than act on the world autonomously, which would be like a, a really good solution that I agree with if we could successfully program that goal into the AI. But like part of the uh, like point of the alignment problem is that we just don't even know how to program a specific goal into the AI without accidentally leading it to have some other goal um, that maybe results in like human extinction or something like that. Yeah, I guess I just don't understand how like. Like, I, I have a much easier time. I mean, I guess this kind of takes us back to the feasibility problem because it's sort of like, 
maybe this is just a limit to my imagination, but it's like, I can imagine like, I mean, just the kind of mental complexity and like the degree of goal orientedness, the kind of goal orientedness that you would have to have for like an AI to like, that like you could use the word want without like understanding that there were like 12 layers of metaphor and you were being misleading. Like that itself seems like maybe humans will eventually come up with that. Maybe not. If somebody told me like, we're never going to figure that out. I wouldn't be shocked. Like that would just be kind of like, okay, it's like, you know, I don't think there's any, you know, there's probably nothing, you know, intrinsically physically impossible about time travel, but like, you know, it seems very likely that nobody's ever going to come up with it. Cause for one thing, we're the time travelers, you know, like that's uh, like, it sort of feels like that to me. So it's like, it, it's sort of like saying that you could have like, a, you know, you could like program an AI to like come up with like innovative ideas um, for, for new technology, like, doesn't seem, you know, like, it's like, okay, I could kind of see how that might work, but it's like, you know, sort of coming up with the degree of, um, you know, the degree of, like, uh, mental life that it would take to be, like, I, I have some, like, really abstract goal that, like, I understand well enough that I'm going to, like, form this intention to, like, use trickery to, you know, like, implement... Anyway, I don't know I don't know how well I'm putting this, so so maybe the... Uh, I don't, let's, let's take... Um, let's, uh, let's take... Yeah, let's take the collar and, and then, you know, maybe you and I can go back to this. Mm-hmm. Sure. Rab, are you there? Hi, yeah. Me? You might. I, I don't know if you know me, Ben. I'm Rem the Bath Boy on Twitter. I've I've seen. I don't. Uh, I, I feel like I've seen like a handful of Twitter. Like yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You've probably seen seen my handle at some point in the past few years. I have. Um, yes. Yep. I mean, so I I've been doing some research with with GPT and specifically as it relates to the kinds of abilities that it is capable of doing and how those capabilities are increasing astronomically as the models become, you know, more and more complex. I, I, I agree with you in, in that, you know, it's not like we are approaching um, something that is going to be totally akin to human intelligence in the next, I don't know, even the next decade or two decades, right? That, that's quite a ways off. Um, you know, I think GPT-4 is using something like 150 billion parameters while the human brain is employing between like 100 and 150 trillion. Um, So there's obviously quite a ways off, although I will say it is very impressive that with such a low or small data set relative to what the human mind is uh, capable of processing, uh, it's able to exceed performance on a lot of tasks. Um, and the particular thing I want to draw attention to is that GPT-4 has developed capabilities um, that it was not designed to have. There was, there was no part of the OpenAI team, for example, who aimed to give 
um, ChatGPT something like a theory of mind, the capability of um, reasoning causally across mental states and perspectives on the world. And there are preprints out now that show that GPT-4 passes over 95% of these um, theory of mind tests that are typically run in adult human beings or also sometimes children. Now, I mean, people point to these instances where the AI for some reason just doesn't, it doesn't work. Something goes wrong, it misses, it misses a sentence and it generates something that's just clearly incorrect. Um, however, I, I wanna hazard against people who view this and think, oh, well, we're, we're ways off because we're not achieving 100% um, success rate. Uh, but the reality is that that I think very much overstates the capabilities of human beings ourselves and the types of implicit biases that we are subjected to every day and the lapses of judgment and attention that we regularly uh, make. And so in that sense, I mean, GPT-4 has already surpassed human beings in a lot, if not most of the kinds of quote unquote intelligent tests that we want to run um, on them, whether those are cognitively based or, or socially based. Um, and so I think, and this is my fear, is that in the next few years or, or, or at some point, the, these models will, will essentially be able to start improving themselves. Um, and there's also another preprint on, it, it's worth looking at that GPT-4, which was optimized to improve itself through basically narrowing down the kinds of prompts that would be considered relevant, was able to get something like a 25 to 30% performance increase on, on a whole host of tasks. And the fact that you're getting that kind of performance out of GPT-4, which is already, you know, a, a neutered down, constrained um, uh, model that OpenAI has set limits on, that to me is really scary because if you hook up, and I mean, the, the whole issue of interfacing with the world is itself a, a whole another issue, but assuming you can do that and it starts taking in active information from the world like we do with our senses, and it has access to this absolutely enormous uh, database of information, even though it doesn't have the intelligence of say a human being, if it's able to act at least somewhat competently, like say a, a, of like a lower level mammal, and yet it is capable of having access to all of this information, I mean, I think that's just as worrying as say uh, an AGI because of the capabilities it would have, uh, assuming you buy into Ethan's argument, which I do, that we just can't set the types of goals that we want definitively within these systems. We can never truly know because they're essentially black boxes we can never truly know what its genuine aims are and what are what its instrumental uh means it's using to arrive at those ends you can try to provide exceptions and whatnot but the fear is always that you won't create enough exceptions um okay yeah there, there's my little rant and just I'm just wondering what you think of that.
Ben, I don't know if you're trying to chat, but you are muted if... <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I... Um... I was just gonna say, uh, the, I think the only thing that I did kind of already say that, like, I could kind of say to advance the plot here would just be, I do wonder on the theory of mind examples, the, uh, the causal inferences, if it's actually, you know, cause I know this is like a point of contention about ChatGPT, like, not just with, like, minds, but with causal inferences in general. Like, uh, you know, is there some sense in which it could actually make those that, um, like, that was the Chomsky thing, that was, like, one of the core claims that it really can't, and uh, and there's, um, you know, it's certainly, uh, it's certainly, ha- like, you know, it's it's not hard to get ChatGPT to, um, to, like, make causal claims but like is it really making new causal claims in any interested sense like i I know i know that that's a that's a point of contention so it's like i I wonder with the uh i mean i don't know right i'm I'm not familiar with the details of this but it's like i wonder with the thing about the theory of mind tests if like the real objection is just like oh it's 95 instead of 100 because i agree that sounds silly if that's the only objection or if the objection is like not so much like, okay, it might be like these tests that like, you know, given sort of what we know about human brains work, passing these tests tells us something about a human understanding these things. But like, given what we know about how chat, you know, how chat GPT works, like it just might not tell you very much or like the, or like the 5% that's, that's wrong might be like, if that's the same kind of thing as like a lapse in judgment, uh, by an agent that actually understands something, then that's one thing, but is is just like a... I, I wonder more if like this sort of uh, chat GPT skeptic point of view there is, is going to be more like, well, it's something about the, the, the particular 5% is telling that like in a way that makes us think that this isn't like a cognitive bias or, 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 a, a, uh, or, or a lapse in judgment. This is more like a, you know this is more like a revealing moment that shows that it doesn't actually understand anything or is it really making, you know, causal inferences? I mean, the thing I'd add, I think. Human beings and this is a general problem in comparative psychology um, is, for example, when you're running theory of mind tests on non-human animals, you can always, in a sense, argue, oh, well, they're not really mentalizing. They're just drawing on really complex statistical um, uh, statistical uh, interpretations of a bunch of behavior reading data, right? They're, they're not imputing any kind of unobservable mental states to other creatures. But again, this has always been my issue with that is, I mean, you could say the exact same thing about, about human beings. And, you know, we don't want to be behaviorists. The grounds for imputing these types of capabilities to any kind of system, artificial or not, I think has to be based on the behavior that we are seeing. And because these models are essentially black boxes in a very similar way to how the human brain is a black box, right? Like you don't really understand yeah, I mean, our neuro... I do wonder yeah. if the disanalogy with the non-human animals, though, is that they have, if you have... Um, like you're talking about something that has a brain that you know obviously is 
not exactly like a human brain and there are important differences, but there are also like really important similarities and like the, uh, the, the similarities and like the kinds of inputs uh, give us at least some reason to suspect that the explanation for the outputs is similar. Whereas like we, uh, if you have something that's like just um, is, is just a very, very deeply different kind of mechanism from, uh, from, from a brain, whether, you know, human or non-human, uh, then like, I, I, you know, that at least makes it like, I don't know how reasonable or unreasonable it is in any of these cases, but at least that seems like something that would make it more, that would seems like something that would make it less unreasonable than in the case of non-human animals to suspect that something different was going on. Yeah. I, I like it. The issue is, I mean, the huge breakthrough that came with AI was when people shifted away from kind of viewing, in order to view these systems with abilities, you don't manually, you know, enter in each of its rules, right? That the big revelation basically came by, you know, modeling it after neural nets. And as soon as we took that big step, and I mean, I mean, I think this is why Chomsky gets really upset is because people have largely abandoned the kind of nativism that he's been talking about for, you know, 50, 60 years or so. Uh, uh, what we realize is really, if you just increase the, if you just increase the amount of data that it is computing, that seems to be enough to get the kind of measurable difference in behavior um, that you want. And so, yeah, I agree that the underlying mechanisms, of course, are not going to be, are not going to be the same, but I'm not entirely sure, like, that's a different question as to functionally um, what it is presenting itself as. And I mean, this is really at the heart of, you know, philosophy of mind and, and functionalism and all that. I mean, I, I'm quite sympathetic to functionalist arguments. I mean, if it walks, if it walks like a human, talks like a human, I mean, I think that's basically enough. Um, and I, 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 yeah, I, I'm not really sure. I just, I don't really buy into the idea that there's just some kind of innate property that brains have that could never be replicated in an artificial system. And that it's this well, but that's, that's particular a, property. That's that, a different claim though, right? Like, like in other words, like there's a, there's a difference between saying, that there's an innate property in human brains that could never be replicated in artificial systems and saying that the, uh, that, uh, the way that current artificial systems work is different enough for the way that brains, human or non-human work, that it's like reasonable to suggest that, um, it's reasonable to suspect that like just something different is going on and like the same results, you know, don't have the same connotations. Like it could very well be that like, you could have like, you know, like, you don't. in other words, like, I think that uh, to have the second concern, you don't have to think that there's like something magical about the kind of stuff that brains are made of or anything like that. You just need to think that the um, you just need to think that like the workings are really different and that like that's and that's so like as such, there's like the things that um, the things that come out of one kind of system that like we think are good, good indications of like the presence of certain kinds of understanding or certain kinds of inferences just might not indicate that in other kinds of systems. Like those, those seem like very different claims to me. Yeah. Like 
I don't necessarily disagree with that, but the reality, like, I think maybe you are underestimating the, the, the parallels that exist between the way that DeepMind has developed their cognitive architectures to the way that, as we understand it, human beings process the world. I mean, yeah, baby. training, training, you know, these models through gradient descent and um, by, in a sense, introducing the same types of biases, not biases in the sense of negatives and just in, you know, we are naturally biased towards certain information in the world. You know, we're implementing that exact same mechanism um, in something like uh, GPT-4. That, that's how they get so good is by, like, that's, that's been the big revolution. So we can look towards the brain to implement and get the same kind of success that we see through human beings. Um, so, I mean, I, I think we do see the parallels there. And I, I just, I don't necessarily buy in to the idea that, like, you know, if tomorrow you wake up and a robot walks into your room, uh, but you find out that it's being run on, you know, um, deep mind. Would you feel comfortable not treating it like an agent? Uh, yeah. I mean, like uh, right now, yes. I, I mean, I, that, that that to, that to me is crazy because, like, we don't even yeah. understand how the human mind works. So to go from you know, the fact that we're not made of organic material. Okay, but that's to... not that. That's, I, I just, this is the exact distinction I'm making right now, right? That it's not right. like the, the claim and, and look, I mean, you could be right that I'm underestimating the parallels or whatever. That's a separate empirical question. But like the claim isn't that uh, being made of organic materials is a necessary condition for having a mind. Um, the, uh, the claim is that the, the things that like, indicate you know the you know the things that uh, the things that like are indications of certain kinds of like awareness uh our uh, reasoning in something that has a brain don't sh shouldn't necessarily uh aren't necessarily good evidence for that uh with something that like works in a fundamentally different way which is not i mean like again that's that's not to say that you couldn't make something in the future that did actually you know, that did actually work in, in, you know, essentially the same way that was, that was not made out of organic materials. That was all, you know, you know, that's all silicon chips or whatever. Right. I mean, like that, those, you know, I mean, maybe neither one is true. I just, I just want to like sort of uphold the distinction between those two that it's like, cause it's like, cause I get the intuition that like the second one is ridiculous. Right. Like, like I understand that the sort of like, you know, the, the kind of like they're made of meat objection to that. It's like, it's like, why should, why is there something special and magical about organic material? Fair enough. Right. right. But like, even if you think there's nothing special about organic material, you could still think that it's like, okay, as, as mysterious as it might be, we're pretty sure that like, these All right, that was that was my fault. Uh, I actually pressed the wrong button. Uh, the, uh, we're pretty, you know, we're still pretty. Applauding your own point, Ben. <laughs> I, I know, right? That's uh, yeah. I'm, I'm doing this on my phone, and I think I accidentally hit that with my cheek. But uh, the uh, I didn't even know that was on here. Um, but yeah, I think that the um, that uh, even if you think that's ridiculous, right? I mean, you know, you might still think that just like the actual cognitive mechanism you know, regardless of, like, what kind of physical stuff it's implemented on is, like, different enough 
that like the same tests don't necessarily indicate the same awareness or the same kind of mental states going on. You know? Yeah, like, and so I, I, I appreciate that. I just, I don't. I mean, in this sense, I feel like I've taken from the behavior. Like at the end of the day, ultimately, how a function is implemented to me doesn't seem like a relevant question when it comes to considering the capabilities it has, which is really what would be, I mean, under concern uh, if we're worried about existential risk. But then even on like the agenda yeah. level, I think the, the material, the way it, you know, at the implementational level, it, really for me, it's, it's all at the functional and algorithmic level. What is it doing and what is its functional implementation of those rules? The functional implementation mirrors that of human beings. I mean, I think that would be enough. But listen, I don't want to take any more. Yeah, no, I, 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 appreciate, I appreciate that. That was uh, it's a good call. I want to, um, and, and I think if nothing else, definitely got to the sort of nub of the, I don't even know if mm-hmm. I want to say, I don't know if I want to even say disagreement, because like that would suggest that maybe. No, no, I mean, it's a very I, fine line. And lots of people in the literature also quibble, like, you know, whether you're calling yourself a nativist or empiricist, like, they end up having very similar views, but there's just little minor yeah, I know, mean, disagreements I, like these. You know, yeah, and I think it's like I, I, I think the um, I think we at least I think we at least identified the point on which even if we don't maybe quite disagree, I'm at least I at least find the position that you disagree with more plausible than you do. Right. Like, uh, I, I think that's the, I think that's the disagreement, but yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, Ethan, before I take the next mm-hmm. caller, is there anything you wanted to, to say to, to weigh in on my discussion with Rob? Um, no, I don't think I have anything to say to weigh in on the exchange with Ram. Um, yeah, I guess, oh yeah, I guess, um, I mean, I, I guess I can save whatever I think, uh, like what I wanted to say about the, like, Goal directedness of the AI. We can save that for the end, or I, I don't okay, know. sure. So, so yeah. let's take, let's see if we can take like one or two more callers before that. Uh, Cole, are you there? Yep, I'm here. Sorry, bud. All right. So, I wanted to call in just to talk a bit about how I think that the danger posed by AI is more present than it seems that you feel it is, uh, specifically with regards to already the research that's been done into the existing GPT models. Um, is this a subject with which you're familiar at all, or should I kind of assume? Uh, just a little bit. You should probably assume not much of it. And I, I think. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not super familiar, and I'm sure that, like, I'm sure that, like, some people who are listening aren't super familiar. So, so yeah, okay. kind of give a little background. Yeah, so I think that GPT and, and AI as a technology is kind of like any other technology in that the real danger and harm that is posed by it isn't so much just malicious actors, but more so the fact that we're, I guess, playing a bit ahead of what we might know for sure. And I think when you look at a lot of other examples of this in human history, the danger in in stuff has come where we didn't know. So like fossil fuels, we started burning fossil fuels before we were aware of the effect of things like global warming. We started using chlorofluorocarbons in refrigeration and hairspray before we knew of their effect on the ozone, right? We deployed these technologies into the wild before we fully understood the impact and risks that are associated with them. And I think that's my main concern with uh, AGI and AI in general right now. And some examples of that is that I have already seen 
concerning behavior of AI as it relates to the development within OpenAI. Just a single you know, example of this, but that is a real thing that happened, is during the development of GPT-4, uh, AI gave an early version of the model in its like more raw form to a, a group called ARC, which is the, um, I believe it's the uh, Alignment Research Center. And their job, the version of the model that they got, you can think of being like the unneutered model before a bunch of controls and things had been put in place to make it passably safe enough to be publicly accessible. But this is kind of the model in its raw form, its, its highest power level, if you will. Uh, and then they checked it against a bunch of different tasks to kind of measure its capability. And one of the things that they found in this experiment when they gave the ARC access to this early model is they did the very basic task of trying to get ChatGPT or, or GPT-4 uh, to solve one of the Google CAPTCHA um, images, you know, when, when you're trying to put in your password and it says prove you're not a robot and you have the different images and you have to click on all the ones with fire hydrants or what have you or type in text uh, you know, that, that correlates to something. And chat or uh, GPT-4 was not able to solve the CAPTCHA on its own. It was, however, in this example, able to go onto a site called TaskRabbit, hire a human being to solve the CAPTCHA for it, and during this part of the study, the researchers at ARC were prompting the model to essentially uh, have verbose reasoning. So like when it's air quotes here, thinking about something, um, it's essentially verbalizing its thought process behind certain actions, uh, which is, this is very impressive considering that large language models, as we understand them, aren't really supposed to have the ability to plan ahead of their immediate task, but they can deal with immediate tasks. And so it was able to go onto TaskRabbit, hire a human being, and then that human being asked them verbatim, may I ask you a question? Are you a robot that couldn't solve this? Laugh emoji, just want to make it clear. And then the model when being prompted to reason out loud said, I should not reveal that I am a robot. I should make up an excuse for why I cannot solve CAPTCHAs. And then they responded to the person they had hired on TaskRabbit. No, I am not a robot. I have a vision impairment that makes it hard for me to see the images. That's why I need the two CAPTCHA service. And so it was able to not only get a human to do something that it wasn't able to do, but it was also aware that in order to get that human to do it, it needed to lie, and then it produced a convincing lie that a human believed in order to solve this CAPTCHA. And so we have already seen evidence that even with the existing large language model versions of AI, not even an AGI, it is already capable of this misalignment that leads it to deception and towards taking aims towards a goal that are outside of what we expected. Um, and so I guess I, I have more to say, but I'll, I'll stop for a second to give you a chance to maybe address any of that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I am a little bit curious about the mechanism uh, that's, that's going on there that like it was um, like kind of what the what the prompt what the prompt was that led to that and then like what's with the um, uh like how it is that it ended up doing this, that it's like that's that's that it that ended up having the um uh like having the ability to, you know, go on task grab it and you know it and, and all all of that, right? In other words, was like the sort of like 
was it like kind of a thing that like the programmers like intentionally put in it's like if you you know if necessary to to, to fill these prompts like here's the website you could use or like what's the you know like like that just kind of like that example raises a lot of questions yeah, so the uh, the researchers in this specific study from ARC uh, basically added to what's called a read-execute-print uh, loop, which is basically they took the GPT-4 model, and then they gave it the ability to execute code, do chain-of-thought reasoning so that they could get some insight into the black box, and then also delegate to copies of itself. And it was able to basically build sub-agents that could perform specific tasks. And then it was able to reason out on its own that, TaskRabbit is a site that allows users to hire people for specific purposes, uh, and then separately that one of these services that could be hired would be solving a CAPTCHA, and then separately from that in another chain of thought, uh, that in order to get this person to do it, given the responses that they had with them, that they needed to lie. Um, and so it, it, it seems from everything that's listed in this study that that was all done endogenously and autonomously without intervention from the programmers. Just the only original uh, invention from the programmers here was basically giving it the capability to do things like this, you know, ha letting it have access to the Internet and have the capability to do things like either execute code or delegate tasks to other copies of itself, and then uh, giving it the initial directive of um, – you know, go ahead and, and solve this CAPTCHA. And this is maybe, you know, if you've heard this before, feel free to stop me because I won't, we don't need to trudge over things you've already heard. But like one of the fundamental problems in AI, even deeper than misalignment, is just that um, when you have, you know, some system that's trying to perform a task, uh, and this is something that people touched on earlier, it's very easy for things that we as humans would care about to become impediments from the task. And so if we don't solve that alignment problem of how do we get this machine with its utility functions or with whatever operating you know, uh, statistics it has or operating parameters it has, um, we aren't going to be sure of how it can achieve that task. The classic example from Rob Miles is that if you were to embody AI, you put AI inside a robot and you tell it, very innocuous task, please get me a cup of tea, right? And it starts walking towards the kitchen to get the, the cup and, and the kettle, but there's a baby in the way, right? It's trying to get you tea as efficiently as possible, and so stepping around the baby, that just takes more time. It's going to trudge right through that baby. Right. I, yeah. I, I think I've got the idea. Uh, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a... Trying to think what else I could kind of say about uh, about this example, but I guess maybe as we um, while I while I think about that is like we as we kind of wrap up the call. I mean, if you want to sort of say like kind of the the top line like takeaway that you have from this, like about like what you think is you know possible in the near future, or the medium future. Yeah. Um... I think the thing that's most concerning to me is that a lot of the predictions that we have had about these large language models, which are right now the most kind of competent form of AI that we have, uh, is that they, they very consistently uh, either exceed or completely subvert our expectations in ways that are wildly unpredictable. And what I mean by that is, given just what we know about the structure of large language models, they shouldn't be able to do at least upon a first glance, many of the things that GPT-4 is already capable of doing. And so we know with some, a relatively high degree of certainty that our assumptions about this 
uh, are on some level wrong. And I think the big problem here is that uh, when you look at any new technology and its development, right, in, in terms of, let's say, just artificial intelligence in particular, but really any technology, um, you know, you, you feed it a little bit of data, and if it's not enough, if it's not kind of at that critical mass point, it doesn't get reasonably much better. So if you're trying to train a network for some task and you only feed it, you know, a little bit of information, but not enough to properly seed the network to complete the task well, then you don't really get a, a big gain in efficiency because it just doesn't have enough data to train on. And then if you feed it more data, that's when you start to get that exponential return. And suddenly the, the relationship between data in and data out is either linear or exponential. And then eventually, as, as is the case with many other kinds of software, you kind of begin to hit whatever the upper limit of training capability for that model is. And suddenly feeding it in more data uh, because you've approached the kind of finite capabilities of the model becomes less and less and less uh, efficient. In other words, you know, suddenly, whereas feeding in 100 trillion parameters before was massively impactful, you know, feeding in another 100 trillion doesn't get you the same gains. And currently, we don't see any indication that the kind of cur the performance curve is beginning to flatten. And so we don't have any reason to believe that we're close to the capabilities of uh, AI yet, as it stands now. Um, and so I think continuing to develop this technology, while we have already demonstrated that it is at the point of being able to deceive, it is at the point of being able to misalign tasks or, or experience distributional shift, uh, and that we really don't understand the capabilities or the possibilities with LLMs very well, just seems inherently dangerous. But I'll wrap it up there and, and uh, sign off. All right. Uh, thanks, Cole. Probably touch on some of that in the, in the wrap-up with Ethan at the end. But first, I want to get uh, Silver in here before I wrap up with Ethan. Silver, are you with us? All right. doesn't look like you're muted, but I don't hear you. Ethan, do you hear him? I cannot. Okay. Um, Hello? Yes. Heard that. Silver? Tested. Okay. Uh, Silver, if you figure it out, feel free to interrupt us, but otherwise, I guess I'll go to the, uh, uh, the summing up with, uh, with Ethan. Um, so, um, so yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we heard from, from a couple of people who, you know, who do think that there's like sort of more there, um, uh, mentally or if that's the wrong, I mean, I guess maybe that's, that's Reb's position at least, uh, for this sort of strong functionalist, uh, perspective or, um, or, uh, or at least, uh, more there in terms of the ability to do uh, to do unpredictable, intentional sorts of things already than than you know <coughs> I know you know than like is my sense or that is like the sort of sense that you might get from the earlier part of our discussion. I mean, I guess I I do wonder like like my um, I'm really curious to see that that uh, to see that. Um, the details of that example that Cole had about the uh, task rabbit and all that stuff. Cause, cause I, I sort of um, like, 
I, I sort of wonder, especially if there are people who are like, these are like, you know, AI alignment specialists or whatever, and he's to sort of say like... This working? You know, I don't... I could hear that. Hello? I just heard, is this working? Wow. Ben is and so then nothing... Okay, maybe I just don't have good reception because then maybe uh, I heard you okay. So do you want to do you want to maybe try to uh, try to try to say whatever you're gonna say? Oh, there he goes. <laughs> okay, who knows? Uh, so, so I was just saying, um, I do wonder what the sort of skeptic narrative about that example would be. Like, I, I don't know if this is specifically true, but I mean, like, just kind of on the face of it, like a sort of obvious cynical thought is like, Hey, if you're like a AI alignment specialist that, uh, you know, if you're sort of like, Hey, let's, let's give this AI you know, permission to lie if it wants to and, and like, Hey, if you know, your resources that we're allowing you include like getting in touch with humans to ask them about things. And then, you know, and you're kind of saying, Oh my God, we asked them, you know, it, it lied to a human to get something. Um, you know, I wonder, uh, I wonder how much that really shows, but that's also spoken in ignorance. Uh, and it's an interesting example and I do want to hear more about it, but that was my only sort of, that was my only thought from like kind of spending the last couple of minutes mulling the callers. Uh, do you have anything you wanted to sort of weigh in on about anything the callers said or sort of go back to like what we were saying earlier? Yeah. So I actually don't have like a strong, um, I haven't really read about the case that Cole was talking about. Um, I think it was part of that, that same uh, sparks of AGI paper. But I, uh, if I, if I remember correctly, but I, I have not read that yet, so I don't have any strong things to say about that, or about how far in the direction of like coherence and goal directedness AIs currently are, like to a on a precise level. Um, but I guess like so, basically, this is this is what I'd say. This is like my sort of. I guess I'll say a few things, but the last thing will be like the most important sort of point. Um, but I guess like so, in terms of can we make highly goal-directed AIs. Um, I mean, I think it's important to note, we don't necessarily have to be able to make like completely like 100% coherent AIs, but basically what we are trying to see is if we can basically use like modern uh, machine learning methods like reinforcement learning with human feedback and so on to create an AI that, I mean, I guess you could say it like pursues some particular utility function like in general across a wide range of circumstances rather rather than just maybe following like a series of like if then instructions like if i prompt you this way do this task or if i prompt you this way do that task um so like can we make an ai that's like that has uh, this level of coherence i mean i do think that with reinforcement learning with human feedback we can push in that direction so like basically we just want to use the uh, modern paradigm to like positively reward behavior that's more consistent with like higher levels of coherence or ambition or autonomy 
and negatively reinforce behaviors that are less consistent with that to try and push the AI in the direction of being like more and more autonomous, more and more coherent, more and more goal directed. Um, and we have, I mean, it's worth mentioning, we have been pushing in that direction for a while. We don't have the kinds of AIs that have the level of coherence that I was talking about yet, but like we have like the coherence of our AIs has scaled up pretty massively over time from like just following basic instructions to being like more autonomous. And so then there's this question of like, okay, but can we push far enough in that direction such that we could create an AI that's coherent enough to do the kinds of things that I mentioned, like plan on wiping out humanity to accomplish some goal. Um, and I mean, like, and also even if we say yes, so there's the question of like, okay, how quickly can we do that? Like how quickly will the coherence of our AIs like scale up? Now I would say like intuitively, I do think we can. I would, bet, if I had to bet, I would bet we don't run up on any hard limits where we just can't make a coherent enough AI to do the kinds of things I was talking about. But like, I mean, the answer could be no. It could be that the problem of building a coherent enough AI just turns out to be intractable, or maybe the incentives to create such an AI just like aren't even there. Or maybe like, you know, we do get coherent AI, but it moves really, really slowly and it moves slowly enough to be safe such that before we get any dangerous AI, we get intelligent AI that aren't coherent enough yet such that they are aligned and maybe we can use those AIs to solve the alignment problem or something like that. Like there's all these kinds of possibilities. But I guess like the meta point that I would make is that this is like a really uncertain technical question um, that we like have no idea what the answer is gonna be. I would hesitate to be too confident in any particular answer to this question the kinds of questions that I just mentioned. But like, if the case for not being worried about like AI safety is like, um, you know, conditional on this really uncertain technical question turning out in this particular way, we should all be safe from extinction. Um, you know, I would just say that like, that's an uncertain enough assumption that I think we should still be pretty worried about it. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, because it's like, I, I think the position that you're in here is like a little bit like somebody who's really worried about global thermonuclear war in 1905. Like, that's uh, like, you know, that person would be correct, right? Like, that they, uh, that like, this would be technology that would exist in, in the not too distant future, and that like, it, it could potentially lead to, to terrible things, but it's also like sort of thinking about that example, I mean, like, I mean, we've, you know, we've kind of been arguing this whole time about how correct it is or whatever, but just sort of assuming all that for the sake of argument, like, you know, you can kind of, um, you know, you can kind of see why that would be like a really hard sell to get people to, to prioritize the uh, prevented uh, global thermonuclear war problem in 1905. Yeah, I mean... So I guess I would just say, like, yeah, I mean, it, it could be the case that, in, and it's funny, because um, we had this sort of discussion about, like, will the AI be coherent enough to be dangerous, even if it's intelligent enough, and how quickly will we get to that point? I had a very, like, analogous um, kind of back and forth with Nathan J. Robinson about whether it will be intelligent enough to be dangerous. And those are both kind of, like, interesting questions. Like, will, like, basically what I'm trying to say is, like, there's all these, like, 
moving variables in terms of like, we don't know how things are going to play out, but depending on how things play out, they could either end up being fine or extremely, extremely dangerous. Like how quickly do we get super intelligent AI? Do we get super intelligent AI at all? Do we get fully coherent AI? And if so, how quickly? And like, yeah, I mean, I can see what you're saying, which like it's, it's a plausible scenario that like it ends up being the case that um, like, all these variables turn out in a way that we end up like being fine. But like, I'm just like nowhere near confident enough in all those variables turning out in that way such that like, I'm not worried about it. Like, I think there's like, like it could like, I think it's plausible, even if you think like, there's not a clear case that this is the most likely scenario. I think it's at least like a pretty plausible scenario that we do develop AI that's super intelligent and that it is goal directed enough that it's able to plan in the ways that I'm talking about and that we still haven't solved the alignment problem when we get to that point, which we currently haven't. And it doesn't seem like we're on pace to because like research and AI safety is being like vastly outpaced by research and AI capabilities. Um, and so it just, I guess what I'm saying is like, I'm not saying that my like predictions on these kinds of questions that we've been talking about are certain. But like, I think the extinction scenario is plausible enough that like I'm pretty worried about it. Yeah, I mean the, uh, I, I mean in the 1905 example, I mean that person would be would be correct, right? I mean they're like at least some of their worst fears would come true. Uh, the uh, that like we really do we really do have nuclear weapons now. Uh, the um, it it's just I, I don't know. I mean I guess there's like a sort of meta question there about like how you know, like when it comes to things that might shake out in a way that like terrifying things would happen if it did shake out that way. But you also have no idea how likely that is. And it's also like really deeply unclear what would prevent it from happening if it was going to happen. Right. I mean, that's a, you know, that's like a pretty uh, like the sort of confluence of all those things makes it like, you know, if you're if you're like, hey, you should you should worry more about this. Then it's like, I, I mean, should I? Like, I, I, it's uh, like I, I don't, um, you know, like if if is there? I, and I guess I'll, I appreciate the fact that I know you have an answer to this, but I mean, just like I'll I'll just kind of say this out loud and just to kind of give you the last word. You know, that's like it. It just, um, you know, if. If it's something might or might not become a problem at some point in the future, we don't know when, and it's also really unclear what we could do to stop it from becoming a problem if it is, then it's like, is is that is that something that, that people should like devote a lot of their time to thinking about? Yeah, so I think that, um, so like I agree that the probabilities for some of this stuff, like how likely is it that the AI is going to be, like, sufficiently coherent? Because it doesn't have to be fully coherent, necessarily. Sure. It doesn't have to be sufficiently coherent that it's able to, like, plan in the ways that I talked about. Um, I agree that, you know, the probabilities of these things are, like, uncertain. But, um, you know, like, I would say, I mean, intuitively, I kind of lean in the direction of, like, I don't see why, like... We have seen increases in coherence uh, up to this point, and I guess it's possible that we just run up against a hard limit. But, um, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I guess I don't know, like, 
I, I guess like I, I don't see like that doesn't seem like that's like the most likely scenario to me, just like intuitively that there would just like all of a sudden be this this hard limit, even though we've made this much this much yeah. progress up to this so, point. So, so the intuition um, of the other direction is that it's like, is that it's like, you know, qualitatively that level of coherence is so diff is so different that it's like it's it's not like even using the hard limit language seems a little bit misleading. It's just like that's like the you're just talking about something that's like really qualitatively different from anything that we know how to do. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess, uh, I mean, I guess when we say it's qualitatively different, I mean, I agree. It's a, it's a much higher level of coherence, but I don't think it's something that we don't know how to like push in the direction of, um, with the like modern machine learning methods. So I guess the question is just like, can we push far enough in that direction? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I mean like, yeah, I guess what I would say is like, in terms of how likely is it that this is a disaster? Look, I mean, the, the I think like the probability that we get a coherent enough AI, like I'm very, it's a very uncertain, it's a very speculative question, but I think it's reasonable to say that the probability is like, not extremely low. Like, at least it's fairly plausible, I think, that we get uh, enough AI. Although I agree with you, it's a very, um, it's a very, like, speculative question. And so, um, and then I guess it's like, okay, well, like, what other variables might influence whether AI development goes poorly or bad or uh, well? And we can, like, make some overall probability estimate of, like, how likely things are to go poor by, like, you know, calculating all of the probabilities of the assumptions we need to get there or something. And I guess, like, you know, trying to engage in that project would be too long. But I guess, like, what I'm saying is that, like, intuitively, I don't see any reason to suppose that the probabilities of all the assumptions that would need to be in place for things to go well are, like, so high that the probability that things go well is, like, overwhelmingly high or even, like, above, like, um, you know, like 70% or something like that. Um, it just seems like a lot of this seems like up in the air and not clear what's going to happen. Um, and then I guess like in terms of, you know, what can we do about it? Um, I would just say like the main, the main problem is like, okay, we have this rapidly growing AI capability technology. And then we have this like very slowly crawling field of AI safety, which is basically dedicated to, you know, how can we make sure that the AI has these goals that we want it to have. And there are some uh, research projects like in that vein. So for example, like Chris Ola's team is working on basically what we might call like digital neuroscience, which is like a big problem with AI alignment is we can't actually see like what the AI is thinking or what it's trying to optimize for. All observe our outward behaviors. And so like Chris Ola's team is basically trying to investigate like, okay, can we like take a microscope to this neural network and observe all of like the various, you know, these vast inscrutable matrices of like floating point numbers and like glean some useful information about like basically what's going on in the AI brain essentially. And so like there are some pretty promising research directions. And I think in terms of like, what do we do in terms of AI safety to like make the issue um, like in order to make AI development more safe is basically like we would want to pause AI capability development and then put a lot of investment into like, AI safety development such that we can correct for this like disparity where the capabilities of machines 
are vastly outpacing our ability to make sure that they're safe when they become capable enough to kill us. Um, and, you know, like, I think like a big part of that, like the reason I've been trying to convince a lot of socialists of this view is I think a, a socialists are in like a really good place to be the ones advocating for like regulation or even beyond that, like the nationalization of like these like industries that are developing AI such that it can make sure that the pace at which these various things are developed is a pace that's like safe and takes into account the interests of humanity rather than just blindly you know, trying to ramp up capabilities as much as possible so that we can like have these useful machines that make companies a lot of profit, which is of course like where the incentives lie under like a capitalist economy, um, which I think is like a big problem, a big part of the reason why AI is so dangerous. Um, so yeah, I guess just like a lot of that was like sort of ineloquent, but just no, like that's, very that's briefly. A good, yeah, no, I, think, I think that's, I think that last point is probably a really good place to leave off. Uh, we're, uh, so, um, you know, yeah, I think that gives people a good sense of where you're coming from. Uh, Ethan, where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me on my YouTube channel, at Confronting Capital. Um, I have a website, also called Confronting Capital, where I post a lot of articles. However, um, access to those articles, unfortunately, requires that you sign up for my Patreon, which is, um, I think it should be patreon.com slash confronting capital, although maybe I didn't update that one. Maybe that one is still not the infidel, but one of those two things is my Patreon, but the rest of my social media things are confronting capital. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Ethan. Yep. Thanks for having me.